From NPR News in Washington, I'm Caleb Troutwine for Lost in Narrative. I'm Tori Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> just for some context, I never know what Caleb's going to say, <laughs> so I'm just always kind of stunned. <laughs> I think I'm going to talk like this from now on, in a nice newscaster voice. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. It'd be awful. But yeah, this week we watched the perfect movie. Oh, gosh. It's not perfect. No, it's not. But it is flawless. Mm. Uh, fantastic Mr. Fox. It's so good. It's like, it's like what if what if the Patriot was good? And that's oh fantastic Mr. Fox. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my word. I'm just joking. So this is your five out of five movie? Yeah, it's a five out of five. Okay. It's so good. <laughs> I was watching this and I was like, the soundtrack. It, it's good. It's I, so I good. enjoyed the soundtrack. That's one thing I made note of. I loved hearing the Beach Boys three times. It made me happy. <laughs> I, I think I that was like the second thing. I was like, great music immediately. And then yeah. my favorite part of this entire movie is the use of Beach Boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I chose this movie because Tori was talking shit about it. Um. <laughs> I had no recollection. I just, I remember I watched it once and I did not enjoy it. What did you not like about it? It's been years. I just remember the feeling. I don't remember details. I just remember being like, I didn't like that movie. Oh, I, I remember I saw the trailer for this movie. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I need to see that immediately. (laughs) And ever since then, it's been, it's been one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm -hmm. It's... It's a perfect five out of five movie for me. It's it's beautiful, it's it's heartfelt, it's really well acted. It's got ever it's got the best actors. It's got George Clooney, my personal hero. <laughs> um, it's it's a heist movie, and I love those. Mm-hmm. It's got stop motion animation, and Tori, here's here's three things about me. Mm-hmm. If if a movie has puppets, mm-hmm. stop motion animation, and or a musical number. Mm-hmm. It goes up a star. Really? Yes. And this movie has two of those. I wouldn't. I was not. I wouldn't have taken you as a musical number person. I don't love musicals, but if your thing has one musical number that hits, it, it, hits. it goes yeah. up. Okay. And it's hard not for it not to hit. Like if if the characters kind of break out into song, mm-hmm. which they do in this movie. Yeah. Uh, it's so great. <laughs> and yeah, more puppets, more stop motion animation, and more musical numbers. That's yeah. That's what I say. I have to say that was like one thing I enjoyed kind of going back to one of the things you said, how it was kind of, it's packed with great actors. It was fun guessing who everybody was, but most of the characters I could guess. I, I didn't yeah. know who the cousin was. I, I, think, I don't think he's a real big actor. Okay. But I immediately, I was like, yep, that's George Clooney. I knew that going in. And then I was like, oh, it's Meryl Streep. Cool. <laughs> oh, Bill Murray. I love his voice. I love his voice. I watched this in my mom's office at her work, and when the when Mr. Fox and Mr. Badger were met in his office, and they went, <laughs> I that was the one time that I laughed actually out loud for that entire movie. It was so weird and so funny, and I immediately thought, oh, I see why Caleb likes this. <laughs> I just, I don't know why I just got hit with that thought. I was like, I understand why this is Caleb's favorite movie. <laughs> it's just, I have that written down too. But 
there's something about this where they're so civilized and then they're just like completely wild animals. Like they're they're hissing at each yes. other and growling and they just whenever they eat they just like <laughs> go insane. Yeah. Just gobble the food up. It's it's beautiful yeah. too. I one of the first things that I thought it was literally literally like in the first few minutes of the movie, I was just like I personally don't like this visual style. What? I <laughs> He's fuming over here, guys. <laughs> I have a deep respect and admiration for it and the making of it because that takes a lot of work. But it was just the way that the characters were moving and stuff for me and the way my visual... I don't know, just how my brain works. It's just not my favorite thing. It was too much for my eyes. But it gets better as the movie goes on. Like, you get used to it. It's just not my cup of tea. Oh. I do have a deep respect for it, though. I, I, You couldn't make this movie not in stop-motion animation for me. Like, <laughs> yeah. you, it, it relies so heavily on... You kind of have to buy that this is a heightened reality where foxes are wearing clothes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my word. One thing I kept looking at was his tail... And it was popping out of his pants. I don't know why. I was. It was just so funny. And then, ironically, he loses the tail. <laughs> <Gets shot off. laughs> yeah. So I thought that was funny. Oh, yeah. When I noticed it was Justin Timberlake as the son. Wait. Yeah. It's it was, not. Wait. Yeah. No. It's not Justin? No. I thought it was Justin. No, it's, um, it's what's his name? The, the He's a Coppola. Because these movies are filled with Coppolas. It's Jason uh, Schwartzman. Oh, it sounded like Justin to me. It's not. I I went through this like I only looked up one actor that was in this, but I went all of it by my gut on just like who I think I hear. So I thought it was Justin. It's not. That's so funny. Whoopsies. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> Anyone else you want to clear up that you think might be somebody? That <laughs> Maybe I should just just not talk. This is your movie. <laughs> no, I want to I want to hear what you had to say because I have written down here everything about this movie works to mm. me. I Willem I, Dafoe is the rat. Oh yeah, I loved that. <laughs> but he's that was something else I wrote down. I if I watched this as a little kid, like if I really liked it, that his character would have given me nightmares. It was <laughs> yucky, and ugh. but I like I love Dafoe's voice. He is a great. He can play a good evil character yeah. for sure. I wrote. Clip. I wrote down what and how did they? Or I was like, how did they make money stealing birds back in the day? Just, just kind of steal. You, you sell them yeah. on the secondhand market. Oh man! <laughs> I used to steal birds for a living, but I had to get out of the game for personal reasons. Yeah, that was funny. Oh, and I love. I did like how they kept on using cuss. Oh yeah, and, because it's a kids' movie too, <laughs> yeah. and I just thought it was really creative. And at first, I was like, is, "Are they saying what I think they are?" But I loved it. It was great. Now I've written down here. I want to eat those apples, and drink that cider. Oh, it looks delicious. <laughs> it looks so good to me. <laughs> I. It was interesting to watch the difference um, with the sound design because some things were really. They stood out and those effects really were more prominent versus others. Like when his name's Ash, right? The son. Yeah. yeah. Ash and the cousin. Not, famously were, not played by Justin Timberlake. Whatever. whatever. <laughs> um, when they were jumping into the little pool, I think 
Ash's splash made more of a noise. And then like his, I mean, obviously it was a more beautiful dive yeah. from the cousin, <laughs> but it was still interesting just to hear those little sound differences in other areas. I thought I would hear something more, but you didn't like he was eating an apple or whatever. And I was expected to be really crunchy, really loud and very detailed, <laughs> but then you barely heard a thing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. The sound. I think it's just perfect. Yeah. I'll I looked it. up awards and I think that was deserved yeah. for this, for the score and everything. Is it score? And then just like the sound. Oh, okay. Score is also impeccable. Yeah. I was listening to, um, to PD's song. Yeah. Where he's singing about the fox. <laughs> I think it's just so great and fun, <laughs> like wacky in the middle of this movie. And then Mr. Bean comes along and he's like, what are you singing, PT? They're like, I'm just kind of making it up. That's bad songwriting. <laughs> You're on a bad song, PT. I thought um, when I saw them playing their version of Whack Bat? Whack Bat or baseball or whatever i wrote down i would love to see that play in real life just like the structure of it i think that'd be so funny and then or what else did i write i wrote um three twig runners and the player at whack bat yeah i was like i want to know the all the details of the weird new rules <laughs> to baseball or cricket or whatever it's they, whack bat yeah it's, I know go. it's whack bad, but I want to play it in real life. That's what I want to do. I just want to know all the rules behind it. Because it was a pretty quick scene, so you yeah. didn't really get the gist um, for a first time. I'm going to call myself a first time watcher because I barely remember. Okay. I, I remember um, them digging. That's Those were the only clips that I really recognized from the first time I watched it. So. Mm. Yeah. His poor son. So... So much neglect. I felt so bad. <laughs> I don't have a bandit mask, but I modified this tube song. <laughs> you look good. Yeah. Dumbledore. I immediately, I heard his voice. I thought I heard his voice in another character, but then I heard his voice in his real character. And I was like, Dumbledore. <laughs> that made me happy. Um, One yeah. thing that I noticed this time around is when they're singing, is when he plays the song mm -hmm. of them. He goes like, it's a really kind of a haunting song. <laughs> he plays the Bogus Bunsen Bean song. And I think that that is um, just kind of a fun little, little moment. Yeah. My big question is, why do so many actors take on Wes Anderson films? I've never understood it. Because I want to <laughs> work with Wes Anderson. If I was an actor, I would want to work with Wes Anderson. That seemed because it's just, it just everything works. Yeah. No missteps in that career. It's so good. Like I think that it's just because he has such a distinct style mm -hmm. that, you know, when you see it, you instantly know it. And he's so good at making that style that, I think it just kind of draws people. And he's so talented because mm -hmm. you get to work with all these other great actors too. I love that he always has a grand ensemble. That's one thing I've liked about his work. But I've only ever seen Asteroid City, and I wasn't a big fan of it. So for that being... Why didn't first, you like Asteroid City? Uh, it was just so weird. And like I understand that's like the appeal, and a lot of his movies are like that. Except they're not. I think that that's well, yeah, I think probably that, his weirdest for, movie. I know, like comparing it to fantastic mr fox i was like this one you understand and you're flowing through it the entire time by asteroid city i was like what the heck is going on i don't know but i've been i've always wanted to watch um grand Budapest hotel yeah i want to watch that very much 
and you just French see, Dispatch. I French Dispatch to watch. is great. I I didn't like French Dispatch the first time I watched it. Okay. Um, but the more I think about it, the more I like it. Okay. Cool. So I I, I want to rewatch that. But yeah, I was just wanting to seek your opinion on like why Wes Anderson is such a big deal. It's it's just and like, like why everyone is more than happy to just take that small little role. I think it's I think it's partially just because he's so good at balancing tone mm-hmm. and character work. Yeah. And he's so good at like just writing mm-hmm. and everything. Like, you know, it's they're they're comedies but they're all incredibly sad and I don't know. It's just great. Okay. You should watch Moonrise Kingdom. That's Moonrise probably my Kingdom. second favorite Wes Anderson movie. It's not. It's underrated. A lot of people don't like it, but I really like it. Hmm. Okay. I have here written. I don't don't know what this note means, but it's uh, Badger Beaver and Beaver Attorneys at Law. That's just the, that's just the law firm that he goes to to buy oh. the house. <laughs> yeah, for you, you probably you've seen it multiple times, so you've you notice more of the little details yeah. than I probably could have. I I think it's really interesting because this movie is very much a lot of Wes Anderson movies feel like a stage play. Mm. And this really feels like a stage play, but there's just so much depth mm-hmm. to every every single aspect of it that I think is really, really well done. Yeah. I, I enjoyed um, the world building aspect of it. And then I didn't know it was based on a book. So that was that was nice to hear. And I, I read that um, they were pretty truthful and faithful to the books. Kind of. I mean, every adaptation, no, as, it, 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 you know, has its quirks, but at least I've read somewhere that it followed along fairly well. It actually expands. The oh, book ends nice. a little bit before. The book ends with them kind of getting getting revenge and, and stealing all the birds. Okay. And then the, the thing ends with the three guys sitting around the, the, the tree hole waiting for uh, the fox to reemerge. Got you. But in, in the movie, it goes a little further beyond that. Gotcha. It's so good. Just beagles love blueberries. That's that's a line that we quote regularly in this house. <laughs> that's funny. I, um, I don't know. Like I understand why it's perceived as a great film. It's not like I said. It's not my cup of tea necessarily, but I give it a solid three point two five out of five. Wow. <laughs> Out of 10. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, man. Maybe this, this isn't the Patriot. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, but, um, I'm sorry. I came right on that movie. I just don't <laughs> think it was very good. That is okay. Um, I didn't think it was bad. I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to. I think it also... Did, when did it come out? 2009. Okay. 10-year-old yeah. Caleb was like, let's go. <laughs> yeah. Nine-year-old, ten-year-old Tori probably just didn't understand things behind it, and I probably back then my atten- not attention span, but you know, I just I didn't really listen to movies very much. Mm. Like I remember the visuals of things because like like watching. Well, what's an example? Well, yeah, like watching The Patriot back then. Like I didn't <laughs> hear little things that I hear now as a 24 year old versus then you know so i understood why nine-year-old tori didn't like it and didn't really enjoy it because i think the style was a part of it too it just didn't catch my attention but now i have 
respect and I really like the story behind it. It was it was very simple and that's what was kind of nice about it. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, there was one scene. I don't I didn't realize how like beautiful this movie was to look at until this what this scene when they're doing the whack bat and they're off to the side mm-hmm. and everything is just like orange and yellow and, and green. And then you have Christopherson's like really blue eyes that just kind of pop. Mm. I'm just like, wow. <laughs> oh man, it's so good. <laughs> if you don't if you don't watch this movie, listener, go watch it. It's beautiful. It's five stars. It's it's so simple yet so deep and so complex. <laughs> it's impossible to describe without without seeing it. Right now, Caleb's looking <laughs> up into the vast distance in, in of the, its backyard. Into the middle distance, looking <laughs> up at, at the squirrels run around. He's deep in thought. No words. <laughs> no words from Caleb. It's so, it's... And my my rating, I, I don't consider that a bad one. I, okay. I consider that a decent one. It was just... It's literally under average. Really? Oh. No, it is. It's over average. My bad. I was... The rating I'm, for it? Or n- no. in general? Like... For some reason, I like three point two five. That's just above average in my book. Oh yeah. I what was it that I rated the other day for? It was for a date. That's what. I, <laughs> <laughs> I no, my mom. She texted me. She's like, "So how'd it go?" And I was like, mm, six point five out of ten, or whatever." <laughs> and then I would tell my friend about it over the phone, and I gave her the same score, and she's like, "Tori." That's a D. And I was like, I was like, oh, wait, make that a C plus. That wouldn't pass <laughs> some college classes. <laughs> I was like, I changed my score. <laughs> yeah. So I think maybe I should, you like your letterbox. So you can stick to your out of fives. I like out of tens. No, I, I get that. So, okay. Let me change my answer then. <laughs> let me change my answer. I would give it a seven point five okay yeah c plus yeah i a good c plus yeah the thing the thing that really just brings this movie together for me is the, the opening the opening is so like that opening scene i didn't know a squab was a real thing until this watching and i was like what's a, i googled what's a squab turns out real bird oh, okay uh, i thought it was just something funky that they made up <laughs> that opening scene where they're they're running through and it's it's when um Mrs. Fox reveals that she is pregnant. I was just like, wow, this whole thing is so emblematic of like, you know, no matter what, Mr. Fox like has, like he's only alive mm-hmm. when he's doing crime. And then, you know, later on he's all depressed because he's not doing crime. Yeah. But it's the, it's the family that, that really brings him out of that and reminds him of what matters. Yeah. Just hold back your pride. Yeah. Realize what matters. I liked how... Whenever it was showing time passing, it was like two days real time, and then like two and a half weeks wolf or fox time. Fox time. I thought that was funny. I'm seven and a half non-fox years old. My, my dad died at seven and a half. I don't want to live in a hole anymore. Yeah, well, it was so funny. He was like, my father died at this age, and then so I considered them fairly old. And then at the end, she's like, I'm pregnant. I was like, I thought you're too old to have cubs by now. I don't know. That was something that went through my head. I love um, Ash's little little outfit that he wears with the cape and stuff. With the cape and the pants tucked into the side. And then he always had like his tiny whiteies on. That was really funny. 
there's this, this one scene that I laughed so hard at, and it's when um, he makes Christopherson sleep under the bed. Oh yeah, but then it then turned he, into something very sweet. He just kind of he kind of clicks the train; it goes round and round. Yeah, <laughs> it's just so funny to me as he's crying under the under the table. Yeah, I I enjoyed seeing. I mean, obviously, like if there was a camera in that world, I liked how it was shot, hmm. and I thought that was nice. I like that wide because it was just one angle during the entire sequence. It yeah. Was, it was really cool. Something I've written down. It's I, I always forget how much this movie is a Western. Mm-hmm. Like it's a heist movie, but it's a Western. You listen to some of those guitar riffs. Oh, I do like okay. the standoff. Mm-hmm. It was something in my notes. I was shocked to hear, like, as the movie went on, I was like, why the Beach Boys? It, you wouldn't have thought Beach Boys would fit into this type of movie, but it works so well. At least I, I think it turned out well. Uh, I don't know what you'd put instead of the Beach Boys. I think that like this warm, <laughs> this warm style, is very much uh, yeah. befitting of of the Beach Boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they also have the Rolling Stones in there. Mm. Um, here's my take on a really good, how to put a really good needle drop into a movie. Okay. Replace like a you know piece of popular music or just music in general that wasn't made for the thing. You never go for the obvious pick. Yeah. You take you take. The song that you think fits the scene perfectly, and then you go one step deeper. When you don't do that, you get uh, what's a 2015's Suicide, 2017's Suicide Squad, where it's just the most obvious mm. nothing music choices in a bad movie. Um, but when you do it good, it's Guardians of the Galaxy, where <laughs> yeah. it, it's just everything works. Yeah, that, that's very true. Guardians of the Galaxy has a great soundtrack. Mentioning music and the placement, it made me think of Percy Jackson in the episode when they go to the um, the casino and the it plays casino. Lady Gaga. I was like, okay, that was in the movies, <laughs> oh, yeah. Did they not but play? in the series, the song that they chose, they chose a very obvious choice, mm. and I was so disappointed. I was ex- I wasn't expecting them to do Gaga because I was it like, that was Gaga. then. <laughs> <laughs> Because that was then, and that was that franchise choice. Yeah. But I was hoping they were going to choose something better. What did they choose? They chose, um, I forgot what the song's called, but it, it was a very typical song that you hear on TikTok and that kind of stuff. And oh. that gave me the deepest deck. I was like, really? You had to put that song in there? <laughs> I was like, I've heard that in three different shows, and it's a TikTok song. And I was like, don't do that. That's just, ugh. It gives me such an ick. That was the one thing that really bothered me in Percy Jackson. I was like, why would you ruin such a great moment with that? Uh, it was just overplayed. It's Levitating by Dua Lipa. What? That song goes so hard. I mean, it's a good song. Levitate. It is a good song, but like, it's overused. Levitating is the fantastic Mr. Fox of songs. Oh my it God. comes together. <laughs> it's perfect. Oh my God. As a huge Dua Lipa fan. You are? I wouldn't say huge Dua Lipa, okay. but no, every time I a, like her. Every oh. time a Dua Lipa song comes on, I'm like, "Let's go!" You couldn't have picked <laughs> a better song. <laughs> no, it's a good song. I just thought I wish that they chose something, you know, a little more unexpected, like you were saying. Yeah. It would it would have hit better. But yeah, that was that's just my opinion. Oh, l- listen, we we love Dua Lipa here. Yeah, no, she's a great musician. I've I've really grown to like her these past few months, but um. I don't know all of her music very well. So my kind of my final thoughts, five stars. Yes. But this movie really comes at a transitional time for Wes Anderson, oh. where he moves really deeper into his his more modern style. 
before this you have the royal tenenbaums which is incredible great movie that's where you that's where he really broke out okay as someone to watch it's got that movie um was written by uh, owen and luke wilson fun fact oh. and wes anderson they all they all collaborated on that that's cool oh yeah i noticed noah Baumbach wrote this with him yeah yeah that's cool uh wes anderson incredibly well connected <laughs> yes <laughs> Um, like apparently he's one of the few directors who has Bill Murray's like personal number. Oh, that's funny. Cause I don't, I don't know if you know about Bill Murray, but he doesn't have an agent. Instead you call a, an answering machine at his house <laughs> and pitch your movie in however long it takes to, I love you have, that. You have for a message. And if he sounds, if it sounds interesting, he'll call you back. I love that. And apparently, uh, Wes Anderson just has to say like, I need you in this movie for this part yeah. and Bill Murray will do it. Is Bill Murray like his go-to? Like is one of yeah, his favorites? Yeah, they're one of his go-tos. Okay. Steve Zissau? Like, the I, Life Aquatic with Steve Zissau? The filmography for him is not that... I don't know much. He's, he's in like all of his movies except for Asteroid City. Okay. Um, because he got COVID the first day oh, of filming. No. And so they were like, well, we need someone. And so Steve Carell plays that mm. that character that Bill Murray was supposed to play. Okay. Um, and I think Steve Carell did a great job in that role. I think that I don't think Bill Murray would have done poorly, but I think that that role fits uh, Steve Carell a little better. Okay. Maybe I should give it another shot. Yeah, you should. I need to watch that movie. See, again I'm open minded. I won't just shut it down unless I know for a fact <laughs> and I've already given it a shot. But I'll give stuff another go. Okay. Jason Schwartzman, also a constant collaborator. So there, he's in a lot of the movies with him. Fun fact. Um, all of Jason Schwartzman's for Ash um, lines in this movie were recorded in like an afternoon. Oh, cool. Because there was a, a, a scheduling conflict during the recording times. He was filming another movie and Wes Anderson flew out to, I think, London or something. Mm-hmm. And he, they recorded all of his lines in an afternoon. That's awesome. That's just a fun thing. So he wasn't actually there with all the other actors on. Because they were all filmed outside to get that a more natural performance. That was nice. There was a few moments like that. Because... Uh, where, when was it? Mr. Fox's friend, the... Not Badger. The opossum. The opossum. Yeah. Um, they were standing in the doorway when they were starting to dig down, and his voice was echoing. And I was like, oh, that sounds so good. <laughs> like, you know they recorded that somewhere different. Yeah. So that was, that was really neat. Yeah. Five stars for me. Yeah. You give it roughly... A high C+. Plus. Yeah. that's. I think that's... I th- it's not saying... I don't have any real negatives for it. it it's just genuinely just not my cup of tea oh. that that's it yeah okay um so what have you been reading or watching lately all Caitlin? right so play the jingle okay what a, i rewatched a bunch of episodes of batman the animated series okay because that show is is so great what's that on max i should have known that my bad yeah great i I don't. I, a lot of people hold that show as something untouchable, mm-hmm. and I think it's really good. I think there are a lot of really good episodes, but I also think there are a lot of just kind of meh mm-hmm. episodes. I think, I do think that the good episodes really elevate it beyond something average. But I, I do think that there are some stumbling points. Um, it has Kevin Conroy as as Batman, who became iconic, um, is everyone's favorite. I think his voice is incredible as as batman unfortunately he passed away in 2022 at a a very young age of like i think 60 
there are some some stumbling things, especially he's, he's younger. This is in the '90s, so it's about 30 years ago. He is a little softer in in the voice, and then later on, you get this very this very deep and hard voice from him that I think is is much better and suited for the role. Uh, a really interesting thing that somebody pointed out once is that in Batman Beyond, he plays a, a much older Bruce Wayne, now retired from being Batman, but he's just doing an impression of what he would sound like 10 years later. Uh, and kind of nobody really realized it until, I think that's a much better voice. Oh. I think the voice he did in the Justice League animated series is also much better. It's a little, a little harder, a little gruffer. And I think that in the early season, especially of uh, the animated series, you lose, you don't get that. That's, you, you, you wouldn't realize that he would go on to become such a, a pivotal Batman actor. Hmm. But you also get uh, Mark Hamill's Joker, which is so good. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that, yeah, Mark Hamill's Joker, great, great uh, performance out of that. You also, that's where you first get Harley Quinn. Oh. That was her first uh, appearance. She originated in the animated series and then would later go on to, you know, go into everything mm-hmm. else like the Suicide Squad. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I I don't know much about this animated series, so this is all new yeah. for my ears. It's I, I I didn't grow up with it. I I learned about it kind of later in life. I was I learned much more just through um, the Justice League animated mm-hmm. series from my childhood, which is fantastic. Uh, <laughs> and they're all in, the, in kind of the same continuity. And they carry along a lot of the same voice actors. So I watched a few of that. Do you think? the DC and like Marvel universe do a better job in animation versus live action. I don't think, I think it's more of that. This is very clearly a lot of people are going to probably gonna hate me for this. <laughs> it's very clearly a kid's show. Oh, and, yeah. but I think that works to its strength. Mm, I think that I see that. I don't like, I don't like R-rated superheroes, mm-hmm. especially from from DC and Marvel, because I think that that is a little you you fall into some weird plot holes. P- not plot holes, but kind of like leaps in leaps in logic. In in twenty twenty two is the Batman. They spend the first like half of that movie being like, well, the system failed this guy, and so he became a criminal, which is how crime works. Is that you know people. Um, you know, fall into to poverty and mm-hmm. and all these different things, and they the only way out is to literally break the law. And so they they open that that movie being like the system is the real problem here. And then by the end, they're like, we still need to have kind of an epic fight go down where yeah. Batman is beating up poor people. <laughs> and it's just kind of like that could have been done better. And it's only a PG thirteen movie. It's not even, and it is it's very much I think targeted towards both adults, but it's also targeted towards teenagers who. <laughs> Mm. I I've only seen it once, and I think I mentioned it before. That's the one movie in a theater that I fell asleep. <laughs> well, I won't say like fell asleep, fell asleep. I like nodded off. Granted, I remember I didn't sleep very much the past couple days before oh. watching it, and it's a very dark, very long <laughs> movie. So I'll give myself a little bit of credit there. But yeah, I've been meaning to watch it again. Okay, but yeah, I think that. I think that you can ha- you can have mature superhero stories like mm-hmm. I think that um, currently Invincible is running Deadpool. No, so Deadpool <laughs> falls into the same thing where it's like Deadpool is adult but not mature. You because yes. it is very much you couldn't 
uh, a Deadpool movie could be written by a 12-year-old. And what I mean by that is basically there's no kind of deeper themes. Yeah. Or it's just bloody violence. And I think that you can have you can have that kind of violence, but I think it also needs to be backed up by some level of, of thematic thing or, or at least be not targeted yeah. towards. Um, and I think that makes sense. But I think that's what makes it stand out, too, is because I think majority of our superhero movies do have that thematic background and or that deeper meaning and its soul. I know, but like there I feel like some do and so that's what makes Deadpool stand out is because it has little to none. It's all the jokes and the humor and I don't agree with you on that. I think mm. that most superhero movies try to and then they like fumble because they still have to have you know, they're like we yeah. want to set up a deeper thing, but you still need to have a villain like it's like mm, prison doesn't work and then you still have to the villain go to prison at the end of the movie yeah. yeah sorry i phrased that wrong i wasn't meaning like they all have it i mean like it's there in some way like like you said they try they try to make it work but it just it doesn't yeah uh, i think a great example of this currently is invincible and i started talking about that but i stopped where invincible it wants to have its cake and eat it too or it's always like it's like, is punching supervillains really the way to solve supervillainy? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, that's an interesting question you've just posed. But now we're going to have a really fun superhero fight. And I think that a char- like I think it's it unjustly falls on different characters. Like if you've watched the show, um, I think Adam Eve is always getting punished for what she's doing. Even though she's trying to do better and like help people actually. She's like... I don't think that punching supervillains is the right thing to do. So she tries to like go and help people, and then she gets immediately punished for it. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that I think that could be a little bit better. But I think it's also weird to have to say that you want like an R-rated Batman movie because like it's a children's character. Mm-hmm. It's like I, I I felt a similar way about Barbie, and I, but I think Barbie pulls it off a lot better. You know, they, they're targeting an older audience, mm-hmm. but it's still a children's toy. And you have, yeah. I think that's, it's just a little, a little weird to me when you, when you have adults being like, I need my, my superheroes to grow up with. I need my stuffed animals to grow up with me. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Like we don't demand that of the Care Bears. <laughs> <laughs> like, like it'd be weird. Like, you know, imagine that. Like imagine people like, we need an R-rated Care Bears movie. We need, we need them to. We need an R-rated Teletubbies movie. Yeah, <laughs> we we need we need Tinky Winky to say fuck. <laughs> we need Poe to get disbowled. <laughs> uh, no, you make a good point. You do. I think you can have your mature, and adult focused superhero movies, but I think you have to you have you can't structure them the same way that you structure Marvel characters and mm. DC characters. Speaking of superheroes, I don't know if you heard the news about the cast reveal for Fantastic Four. I hate that entire. I hate three out of four people in that cast. Really? Okay, I don't hate them. I don't like that casting. I think it's a bad choice. Por qué? I I think uh, the the MCU is in an interesting point right now, where I think they've run through basically everyone who's going to be in a Marvel movie. I think Pedro Pascal is a weird choice for Mister mm. Fantastic. Well, what I thought was like I was surprised majority of those people said yes that's where my brain went oh you're right it you know like i was not expecting joseph quinn to say yes i wasn't expecting your girl from napoleon my girl from the crown to say yes <laughs> and then i recognized the guy who's gonna play ben 
but I don't remember his name. I, I know he's been in quite a bit of work. Yeah. And he was kind of a shock. Pedro, I'm... It's like I was, but I wasn't because I know he's very talented, but I know he wants to have fun. So I think that's where he's going about it. I th- I, I don't know. I... I... I like Pedro Pascal. Yeah. I think he's he's really great. I liked him in. What did I, there was some movie I saw him in that I really liked him in. Is it the one with Nicolas Cage, <laughs> where he's in the car smiling? <laughs> no, I, I've heard that movie is good though. I haven't seen uh, um, it. But I like Pedro Pascal. I think that he's a really good actor, and I think that right now he's big, and they need someone big. Yeah. But I also think that um, I, I there was a, a rumor saying that Dev Patel might do it, and that's such a good. I love Dev Patel. I love him too. He's so cool. <laughs> and now he's got that new movie. I had a coming. big crush on him for a little while. <laughs> Every time I watch Slumdog Millionaire, I'm like, hey. <laughs> Did you watch The Green Knight? No, but I've wanted to. Oh, uh, it's that's a great kind of examination of go, going more into themes mm-hmm. of I don't know masculinity and the whole sort of quest thing of fantasy. It also has Barry Keoghan in it for about five seconds. Keoghan. <laughs> I <laughs> Wait, so who... Oh, you, so you go first. I was watching... Um, my sister's been watching that one show, Masters of the Air. Oh, me too. Yeah. And I, I, I'll, every so often, I'll, I'll watch a little bit of it. And I watched the part <laughs> where Barry Keoghan died. <laughs> well, I was shook. The, I was like, wor- you die? In the worst explosion ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was so surprised because... I thought I saw him in the group photo when they're all standing by the plane and you hadn't seen that yet. And I was like, he can't be dead. He's in that shot. And we haven't seen that shot yet. I was like, wait, what? But then the shot came about. And of course, he's not there. (laughs) He's dead. (laughs) I also think that it's very funny to see them all playing uh, American people when half, half that cast looks British. Like they don't, they, they're not just British. They look British. Barry Keoghan looks um, he looks his looks very Irish. Irish. He's, he's Irish. He's, he looks very Irish. And then I think um, the guy who plays Buck, or sorry, Bucky, um, he's he's dating Dua Lipa, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> there was this one meme I saw where it was like uh, it was right after right after Dua Lipa like revealed that she was like single for a period of time before mm-hmm. she started dating what's his name. Yeah. And. There was one uh, like tweet I saw where somebody being like, oh, I can't wait to tell my friend who likes all of her Instagram posts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, um, he looks pretty British, the guy who plays Buck- is Bucky. He the, is he the guy who was in um, Boys in the Boat? Yes. Yeah, looks British. He looks British. He looks British. Um, you still have that. I, uh, I remember I've been listening to Dune 2 Press, and Austin said he went from... I think he went from Elvis to no Elvis to Dune to Masters of the Air. Okay. I think I think that was the order he went about. He was busy for a while. Yeah. So they, it kind of makes sense you hear that. I mean, you still hear it in every day in the way that he talks. The, oh, that's so the dumb. Elvis. That's so dumb. That's not how that's not how accents work. No, I know, but yeah, like he's they faking say, it. I'm not saying he's faking <laughs> it. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that you can kind of get that root you can hear that the tone a little bit but he did say or there was i read somewhere that he worked on the elvis accent for like two years yeah so like like, that's not how you 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 do i mean he is i think he's all he's method actor right yeah method acting is also dumb 
We can get into that later, though. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. But because he's a method actor, I can kind of understand how that would like just change the way that he talks. Except here's the thing. Accents form from the people around you. Yeah. And they form early in life. Mm-hmm. So here's here's a fun fact. You sound more like the people that you grew up with and went to school with than your parents. Yes. And like you, you once you're at a certain age, which Austin Butler is way beyond, your accent is kind of set. Yeah. And I don't and like sure if he's like hanging around in, in Tennessee in the South all the time, then yeah, he, he might develop a bit of a twang. But he's not going to just sound like Elvis for the rest of his life. I think. No, I don't think he's going to sound like it for the rest of his life. It was just because all these projects were within a s- shorter period. That's my point is that you can kind of hear that okay. little Elvis yeah. tone. And then like in the way that he's talking now during press, his voice is lower versus like I watched... Um, him when he was in Hannah Montana and like the way he talked back then and I was I mean he was younger then but still like he is talking a lot lower did you did you see there was some um right before Priscilla came out there was a bunch of things about Jacob Elordi and how um oh he like the difference the difference between him and and Austin Butler when they were in the approach and the accent yeah Yeah. (laughs) and there was (laughs) there was one part that I saw where it was two articles that were kind of stitched together on like a on like a tweet, and it was like two headlines. It was like Austin Butler, uh, or it's Jacob Elordi claims that he never knew who Elvis was, other than the Lilo and Stitch reference. Oh Next yeah. next to uh, Jacob Elordi's accent uh, triggers uh, flashbacks for Priscilla Presley, <laughs> and then the tweet was like uh, Austin Butler's having the worst week of his life right now. <laughs> Yeah, I saw some of that. That that was pretty funny. People work differently, I guess. Um, yeah, method acting is is dumb. You don't need to do it. Uh, there was um, the guy who actually invented it uh-huh. in the early 1900s. Later on, I'm gonna be like, people are using it wrong. Oh. You're just like the, it's it's just like acting where you, you like you know when you're you when you need to do an emotion, you draw on a memory. Yeah, you draw on a real experience. Then everyone is like, well, I need to pretend I'm this character all the time. I know. People have taken it too far. And I think there's a great thing a friend of mine told me. He was like, no one ever method acts being a nice person. Whoa. You don't. Because like, if you hear about method acting, they're always assholes. Mm. They're always like mean to their families and their friends. They're nightmares to work with. Yeah. And the performance is like... It still depends on if the guy's a good actor or not, or girl. Mm-hmm. It's also mostly men, and a lot of mostly white men mm. who do it. Um, there are exceptions, like Forrest Whitaker has been known to, to method act, but it, again, it's it's the guy from Succession who apparently never left character, and everyone's like he's so awful to work with. Who? Uh, what's his name? Jeremy something Strong? Is that his name? Yeah, Jeremy Strong. Can I see his face? He's uh, Kendall Roy. He's the second oldest brother i think oh yeah i have no idea yeah i haven't watched succession yet oh i well i'm i've been watching them win all these awards and i'm like i heard you're in your fifth season and this is they're done they did their fourth season they're done oh i thought it was five my bad no you're good um have they won awards before is it just been this one okay they've been winning awards the whole time it's got uh macaulay culkin's brother yeah 
He's been a joy to watch and listen to his speeches. He was so funny. And then him and Pedro's banter back and forth. And Pedro just won the SAG award. He beat him. And he went up there and he was like, I'm I'm a little drunk, but like, thank you. And he was like a mix of being funny and quirky. And then he got like emotional all at the same time. It was really cute. I, I loved him in uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Um. Culkin he, was in it? Yeah, Kieran Culkin was in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World playing Oh yeah. Playing um uh, Scott Pilgrim's gay roommate right, Wallace. Right, 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 right. <laughs> this is a great scene where Chris Evans walks out on stage or walks not, like or walks into screen for like his his scene in the movie and he just goes, I want to have his adopted baby. <laughs> it's such a funny such a funny line to me. Yeah. But um something really interesting about succession that I think that I thought was really cool. Is how they filmed it. Mm. They they just kind of kept filming. Like if you, like they didn't film like close ups. They would just kind of film scene like a stage play almost. Yeah. Where you're like, we have the scene here. You're gonna do it. And they'd do the entire thing. And while they had while they were doing that, the cameras would be like wandering around the room, like taking looks or reaction shots. So everyone had to like constantly stay in character oh. during these scenes. And that sounds like a nightmare to edit, <laughs> but. <laughs> It, it led to like some some really interesting kind of reaction shots and you know continuations of storylines mm-hmm. even while a person isn't the focus of a scene which I, I I only watched like the first season of succession then and I kind of dropped off but it's it's good yeah it's good my dad finished it and he really liked it oh cool yeah I've been I've been meaning him to tackle that lately but we'll see I've um I finished the crown with my mom and I was crying. Because it, well, I was spoiler. Princess Diana dies. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, yeah, I cried for that, but um, I was my mom and I. We kept, we were so angry at the family, and it was just so much, and we were so frustrated, and we were very mad at the queen. And then the last like three episodes. All of a sudden, it takes a turn, and then now she's like the best grandma, giving the best advice. And I was just like, I was just hating you. Where did this come from? I I saw a really interesting thing where this guy was talking about how um, the this, the crown is written by a single person, unlike like a, most TV shows. It's done oh. which is done by a writing group. Oh, the um, showrunner. Yeah, it's done by a single guy. Yeah. Um, and he he love he likes the royal family. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> I think they're the worst. But this guy I talked was like. So it's written in a kind of a favorable light. He said that, but no matter what, every season I hate the the royal family more and more. He does. <laughs> he says that. No. Um, oh. Some guy was reacting to it. Oh, gotcha, 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 gotcha. So. Yeah, my mom was like half asleep by the end, but I was <laughs> over there just like tears were streaming, and I was like, <sighs> there was like I can't remember what it was, but there's a line that the actor who's playing Philip. Um, he delivers to the queen at the end in the church or the cathedral. And um, I don't know, that sent me for a loop and made me think of a lot of philosophical things. And I was just like, oh my gosh. And that made it hit it. It made it hit harder. After I finished that, I was like, you know what? I'm already a mess. I'm going to finish one day the uh, romantic limited series on Netflix. Yeah. I thought it was going to be, I thought I was going to really like it. It was just okay. Yeah. I, I wasn't okay. too impressed by it. Um, Start rewatching Friends. Been a blast. You always got to rewatch Friends. It's so good. It's so, it's great. 
Um, like my mom and I, when we were getting over being sick, we watched it. Like one yeah. one day, we literally woke up, went to recliners, and didn't leave that <laughs> spot all day because we watched Friends, and we were laughing so hard. We sounded like chain smokers. It was really, really bad. In recent years, I feel like people have turned on friends. And really? And begun saying, just like, oh, it wasn't always that good. I think it's just kind of the natural cycle of yeah. of, of, of interests and people being like, you know, friends is great. It is great. <laughs> Hot take. <laughs> I, I love this award-winning, beloved sitcom from the 90s. I, I was watching the SAG Awards. They did uh, the memoriam of all the actors and stuff and there was more people than i thought that had died oh. this last year it made me so sad because i forgot dumbledore died richard you, i forget his you last mean name. um uh michael gambon yeah, or michael yeah you, star of fantastic mr fox yes perfect five out of five whatever <laughs> um i forgot he had died this last year so seeing his face go up and then they had like a few of his um show I'm, movies on it and then they like ended with matthew perry and i was like oh my gosh <laughs> yeah it, it was so sad friends what a you, you ever watch seinfeld no you should watch seinfeld i've seinfeld is every sitcom that comes after seinfeld uh-huh. is inspired by seinfeld oh so watching it, it'll be like, oh. Friends is inspired by Seinfeld. Okay. To some extent. But every every sitcom afterwards, mm-hmm. that's how influential it is. It has a bit of Seinfeld in it. That is my go-to. I love Friends, but it's not my go-to. My go-to sitcom has always been Seinfeld. Um, so that's another show that, like, I think I quote that more than more than any other show. Just like last week, I had a friend over and he was like, yeah, you, you're in all of your humor is just, it's, it's just Seinfeld. Like it's, it's a Seinfeld based kind of very observational. Mm-hmm. I have also, I've been listening with my mom. I've been listening to the Baroque cycle by Neil Stevenson about the um, scientific revolution and the Baroque era in human history. Mm-hmm. And there's this great um, line in it that I really liked. It was basically like, you know, um, this guy talking about history and he goes, you know, so many people think of human history as like, um, and he's, he's coming from a seven, from a 17th century, so 1600s, um, very religious mindset. He goes, basically, we got kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Then we wrote a bunch of things. Then we wrote the Bible. Mm-hmm. Then we had all of ancient Rome and ancient Greece, and those are the golden, the golden years. It's all been downhill since then. <laughs> and he's like, he's comparing this to a shipwreck. He's like, you leave, and things get a little rocky. And then by the end, everyone is holding onto boards or they're drowning. He kind of talks about how that's kind of not the case. For most of human history, we were clinging to boards in in a rough ocean. And then slowly but surely, we all kind of gathered each other together and built a ship Mm -hmm. that is still floating. I think that's a really interesting kind of view on on human history. Yeah. Like, you know, most of human history was not that great. Yeah. So... Uh, Sir Isaac Newton plays a really interesting part in it. It's, it's framed by these these few characters who have, you know, apparently had in influences and have have worked alongside these great scientific minds. While all these other political things happen, it's it's a really interesting book. I'd give it a read. I'd get, I'd probably read the the physical book because the audio book is broken Caleb up. Caleb reading a physical I'm not, I'm li- book. I'm listening to the audio book, and it's the most expensive audio book I'll ever listen to. <laughs> I uh, 
it's it's good so far. Good. I haven't opened a book in a while. I really I think since reading or was it Iron Flame? Was that the last one I've read? Maybe. It's um, the last one you talked about. Yeah. I feel like I might have read another book, but I can't remember what it was. Okay. But I think I needed a break because I went <laughs> through like a little patch of like read, 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 read. That's what always yeah. happens. I get I like have an obsession of reading and then I have to stop for a while yeah. until it feels good again. Yeah. Um, I also, uh, <laughs> I got bored one night and I was like, I need something really light. And so I watched like seven episodes from Practical Jokers. That's, that's funny. It's, it's a good <laughs> laugh. <laughs> yeah. Um, have you ever watched Impractical Jokers? Mm-mm. No. So before this, the one, the two, the two things I knew it from, here's some fun story time from Caleb Troutwine. I was standing in line in the, in the cafeteria out in college and this woman turns around and looks at me and she goes, have you ever watched Impractical Jokers? <laughs> and I was like, no, I, I haven't. And she launches into this episode of Impractical Jokers <laughs> that she watched just before oh. coming to uh, <laughs> coming to the cafeteria. And I was like, do you like work here? Like, were you watching Impractical <laughs> Jokers on like on the school's dollar? Because <laughs> if so, you are my icon. <laughs> Random woman from the cafeteria. Shout out to you. You influenced me more than my parents ever did. <laughs> no, that's a great story. And then um, my sister's friend really liked it. And I never got it. And I watched a few episodes. And I was like, I get it. <laughs> it's great. What's it on? It's on Max. Okay. Yeah. I just started rewatching. It's because nothing sounds good right now. Like, I think it was also because of having a week of being sick and yeah. watching... A lot of TV. you just get burnt out on on watching. I, I've stuff. gotten burnt out, so I was literally just like going through everything, and I was like, nothing sounds good. One thing caught my eye, and I was like, do I want to watch it? But I was like, it's the only thing that I'm willing to watch right now, and that was Glee. <laughs> I don't know much about. It. I know it's it's a, not it's not that great. It. I know every so often Rachel Berry annoys the crap out of me. I'll I'm not play a, a fan song. of Leah. Every so often I play a song, and someone I know. Doesn't matter. Just some someone, usually a girl, but I think that's most of the show's target demographic. We'll go, have you ever heard the Glee version of this song? <laughs> and I go, no, why would I listen to the Glee version of this song? And they would go, I don't know. It's not very good. Here it is. <laughs> They'll play it for me. <laughs> At least they admit it's not that good. <laughs> there's there's a few. There's a few songs that I like that are Glee version. A few. A few. Not saying <laughs> Keyword. It's, not saying they're better. It's just like I enjoy a few no, of them, I <laughs> but I think I was just talking to my mom about it. I was like, the first season's definitely the best season. I only like enjoy watching up to season three, like after they graduate the main core. Okay. After that, it goes downhill very much. Well, it's always weird when you have like a a, a, sc- a high school TV show mm-hmm. because you you get at most four seasons. Yeah, and then everyone leaves. Yeah. And then it's like, well, now what? Now you got to like find reasons to keep everyone together. Mm-hmm. And there's this really great thing of why like a, a Cheers reboot never happened. Uh, Ted Danson said, he's like, well, it, it'd be just kind of depressing. Yeah. Because you, you get like, he's like, so let me get this straight. All of the people who went to this bar for, I can't remember how many seasons Cheers has. All these people who went to this bar for all these years 
are still going to this bar and they haven't moved on. Yeah. And they they're and then he goes, he's like, that's sad. Or you do it differently, and that's no longer Cheers. Mm-hmm. And then also the fact that just Frasier exists. You watched Frasier? No. It's great. It's just like it's not as good as Seinfeld or Friends, I think, but it's it's very good. But yeah, Glee's but it's like I guess a guilty pleasure show. It's like yeah. Do I have any guilty pleasure shows? I feel there are shows that I will be like, I'm not going to tell anyone I watched this show. Yeah, I hesitated and to I'm say gonna... Glee. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see here. Shows that I would be embarrassed to admit that I enjoyed. I don't. I, I can't think of any that, especially now in my old age, I'm very particular with the shows that I watch. Mm-hmm. Just because I, I realized a long time ago that I don't need to watch everything. You know, there are some things where it's like, people are like, oh, you need to watch this. It's not very good. Why would I watch it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I have any really guilty pleasure. Caleb TV doesn't show. watch any cringy shows. I, okay. <laughs> I do. I just can't think of any. No, yeah. Sometimes I guess you can think of it. The OC would be the closest that I that I can, oh, that I can okay. say. To, but it's not, it's, it's good. It's not really cringy. It is cringy. My friend parts, played me a trailer for it and it literally was like, it said everything I needed to know. I was like, I just watched the show in a minute. It it, it was poorly done by like Max. I yeah. think they oh. made it, or it was like an old old trailer, and I was like, that was that was not good. Yeah. Or it also like having watched so many things, and also having the filmmaker brain yeah. seeing certain things. I'm like, oh, I know what that means. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's um, a blessing and a curse when it comes <laughs> to watching stuff. Tori. Yes. This week we watched the perfect movie, not perfect, <laughs> but flawless, in, to say the least. Okay. Fantastic Mr. Fox, five out of five. Mm-hmm. You better be able to come up with something to match. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at my list today on my way over here, and I was like... Mm-hmm. You were driving and looking at your list? Unsafe driver. <laughs> <laughs> at the stoplight or whatever, you know? That's not better. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I... I might have actually been looking at my notes when I was watching Mr. Fox. <laughs> I was like, what am I going to choose next? And I also think it's because I saw it on my, what was it? Oh, skimming through Disney Plus, And I was like, you know what? I haven't seen this movie in a long time. And I could use a good cry. Bridge to Terabithia. <laughs> oh, was it was Zooey Deschanel. Yes. Yes. I forgot yeah. she's in it. Yeah. I I don't know how. i never seen it, but I know a lot about this movie. Yeah. Little yeah. Josh Hutcherson. Oh. Such a cute little kid. Yeah. And then um, Anna something or other. It's a nostalgic movie from my childhood. And I know it was just really cute, really good. But I haven't seen it in years. So I'd love to see it in my adult perspective. And I'm guessing you haven't seen it. Uh, yeah, but I know what happens. I know the big thing. Yeah. I know that. But Spoiler you alert. Seen, she drowns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So I, I don't know. I was just in the mood. And I was like, I feel like that'd be a fun one to talk about because it deals with your imagination and all that jazz so it'd be a fun discussion from npr news in washington <laughs> i'm i've been caleb trout <laughs> in washington we're in oregon <laughs> not even wait, not, wait, wait what, what washington do you think i'm do you think i'm referencing there no the state no oh. washington dc oh <laughs> Where NPR is located. Sorry. <laughs> From NPR News in Washington, I've been Caleb Troutwine. And I've been Tori Johnson. I, am I allowed to say, like, am I allowed to pretend that we're NPR? Like, is that, like, am I going to get, like, sued for... I don't know why you're doing it. I'm confused. I was making a joke. <laughs> oh, okay. A while back, and I, cause I was I was meeting um, 
somebody and I was like, what if I just went up to them? Like the way I introduced myself was literally <laughs> from NPR News in Washington. I'm Caleb Trout. <laughs> okay, go for it. Yeah. All right. We will see you all in two in weeks. Two weeks.